The Truth News Network. Let's see. Trillions spent, thousands of lies published, businesses destroyed, families driven into bankruptcy, even the innocent jailed without trial, without charge. And all of it rooted in lies. Lies. Well, let the healing begin with the balm of truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice of truth is Dan Newman. You know, it's ironic, the timing of most things that happened coming out of Washington, D.C. Have you noticed it? I mean, why? You think it was just happenstance that the day, the very day, the news came out about there actually being evidence that proves Joe Biden and Hunter Biden actually did receive $5 million each from that Burisma founder, one of the co-founders of Burisma Holdings, $5 million each of them. On that very same day, the very same day Donald Trump gets his indictment. Nothing happens accidentally in Washington, D.C. I think everybody ought to know that. We have so much to cover today it's going to be nearly impossible to cram it all in two hours so here's what we're going to do i have spent an exhaustive amount of time picking the really important things the most important every bit of news as it pertains to your government is important we can't minimize that but what we can do is we can fit it all in two hours and we're going to do just that what are we going to talk about well tucker on twitter The third episode came out late yesterday, and it's not very long, but what he has to say is critical. You're going to hear it right here in just a little bit. We are going to expose some of the details, some more of the details of the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma Holdings, Biden Family Syndicate debacle. You can't abbreviate it. You have to throw all those in. But everything's not ugly. Everything's not bad. You know what? When you look at something, whether it's really good or not is pretty much up to you. It's the way you look at it. It's the thought process behind what you're thinking when you look at it. You control your thoughts. I control mine. When I am fearful, you know why? There's one reason, only one reason why I'm fearful. It's because I chose to be fearful. If you're going to be happy, it's because you made a choice to not concentrate on bad things or negative things that really do exist. But just because they exist doesn't mean automatically you can't embrace happiness and joy. Those are choices we make. Where are you going with this? Today's going to be a good day. It is hump day, halfway to the weekend, Wednesdays. I love Wednesdays. Why? Because I can look and see just a couple of days till the weekend when I get free for a couple of days. And that's an oxymoron because I really don't get free. This is a seven-day thing that we do here at TNN Live, and we do it gladly. We do it gracefully and graciously because of you. Oh, by the way, you're going to hear in just a minute the details about that Ukrainian oligarch who has paid Joe Biden $5 million and Hunter at least $5 million and is the guy that decided, 
hey, we're going to hire the vice president's son to sit on the board of Burisma Holdings, and we'll come up with a number to pay him. He's valued at about a paltry $83,333 a month. You're going to meet him. Tucker's here. I told you that. The oligarch is here. President Biden is here. Congressman Jim Jordan. We have a full day. And we pretty much do every day. Listen, I made a pack last night at dinner with a couple of good friends of ours. And it was about Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald, one of my favorite singers. The rest of the week, two songs we play every day, top and bottom of the show, are Michael. Michael McDonald. That song, I keep forgetting, 
was the very first solo song he did. That came on right after he left the Doobie Brothers. He did that solo album, I Keep Forgetting. And I'm not going to tell you which Michael uh, McDonald song we're going to end the show with today. You'll have to hang around. (laughs) And I know it's crazy to think, oh, I'm going to stick for a couple hours, Dan, so I can hear that second Michael McDonald song today. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. Why am I in a good mood? Because... I'm free, I'm serving God, I'm a Christian, I've got places to go to get answers to my problems, and there's somebody out there, and it is God, that made it very clear to me that I'm important to him. The way I feel is important to him. And yeah, I call God him. And the reason I do is because I believe the Bible is God's word, his spoken word, and he is called he, him. He's got his own pronouns. We all do. You know, you can call yourself anything you want to call yourself. If you want to bark, play bark, and tell people you're a dog, go for it. (laughs) It doesn't change the truth. The truth lives in a vacuum. We tell you that all the time. Really interesting thing happened yesterday evening. As you know, and I won't go into it, Donald Trump was arrested, and uh, he did his appearance before the court down in Miami, and he pled not guilty on all 37 counts in that indictment. Yada, yada, yada. He jumped on the plane, went back to Bedminster up in New Jersey. That's his country club, and that's kind of like his uh, northern hangout there in his Bedminster. He owns it. And he did a little public statement there. Had a kind of a, looked like an impromptu meeting with some of his fans. Big crowd there. Some interesting things came out of that. Of course, Donald Trump was Donald Trump. But one very interesting thing caught my eye. You know what a Chiron is? That's down at the bottom of the screen. You know, when somebody's doing something and it pops up at the bottom, it's actually the verbiage about what's being said. At Fox News, this is incredible what happened. The Chiron popped up. And here's what it said. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. I'm going to read it again. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. (laughs) How did that slip through? Who was producing the news last night? at Fox News when this interview thing was happening. That doesn't happen at that level, I promise you. And I guarantee you, there were some quick phone calls, angry phone calls made. And just a couple of minutes later, that Chiron went down as Sean Hannity's show came on. But I'll never forget it. I've got a picture of it. (laughs) Fox News. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. And, of course, is speaking about Joe Biden. But don't you dare, don't anybody, don't dare to call him a wannabe dictator or an authoritarian. Don't call his Biden administration an authoritarian ruling power. Don't do that. Don't call him a communist. Although, all of those titles I just said, they fit this president. You're not supposed to disrespect the president. I'm not disrespecting the president. What I'm doing 
is calling a spade a spade. He's disrespecting the U.S. Constitution that he laid a hand on the Bible, raised the other hand, and swore an oath to protect and defend and to ensure that on his watch, all of the tenets that were laid out and later amended through the constitutional process to do so, the U.S. Constitution is the rule of law by which we are supposed to operate the government. And he swore he was going to do that. And every day since, he has broken his oath of office. And I'll just go right out on the limb here at the top of the show and tell you, he's got a plethora of impeachable offenses in his wake as president. And I'm expecting, I just feel it in my bones, the House of Representatives is going to consider impeachment in the next 30 to 45 days of Joe Biden. And as this barisma, this bribery thing ramps up and gets more and more detailed, the cries for impeachment of Joe Biden are going to escalate and there will be Democrats that will begin to say, you know what? Enough's enough. Let's take action. He's got to go. Now, we had Mike Johnson on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about this very thing. When the debt limit, when that argument was going on and they were trying to get something passed so we wouldn't default on our debt, and I asked Congressman Johnson about this very thing. What happens if the House impeaches Joe Biden? The articles of impeachment go across the aisle, go across the Capitol to the Senate, and the Senate agrees and decides to have the trial. And let's just suppose the trial is successful in the way of impeaching Joe Biden, and they they vote to remove him from the office of the presidency, and we have a new president, now Vice President Kamala Harris. You think things will be any better? Eh, it'll be a lot of laughing, hysterical cackling, and that was one of the number one reasons why I did not want Hillary Clinton to get elected. Her laugh, whenever I heard it, and I heard it last night on a soundbite, somebody interviewed her about something to do with Donald Trump, and she had that cackle, and I thought, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I don't have any hair on my neck. I'm bald, even down on my neck. I just can't imagine having a president, Kamala Harris. So what do you do? I can tell you what I think they need to do. They need to hold everybody accountable. They need to bring up all of the wrongdoing instead of this constant delay tactic that the Department of Justice uses on everybody That's a Democrat. (laughs) But any Republican that snorts in the wrong way at the wrong place, in the wrong place, they're going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and sometimes outside the law, as we see in the January 6th debacle that still is playing out with American citizens being held in jail for months and months and months, treating them like hardened felons when most of them, the only charge they're facing is misdemeanor for actually entering the Capitol that day, January 6th, 2021. 
Well, we've got a lot happening in the United States of America, don't we? We've talked now about a couple of days. This Ukrainian oligarch that allegedly has 17 phone calls between himself and President Biden and or Hunter Biden. We're told that two of those included President Biden. The other 15 were between the oligarch and Hunter Biden. So who is this guy? His name is Mikola Zlochevsky, a former Ukrainian minister, and he was the founder of Burisma Holdings. He has allegedly paid the president $5 million, and he's got two audio re- records as insurance to secure this pay-for-play scheme. Zlochevsky's whereabouts today, nobody knows. Some speculate he is in Monaco, where a lot of those oligarchs go when they get in trouble in Ukraine. They go to Monaco, and they've got these big yachts, and they just lived the good life there. He reportedly went to Monaco in 2019 to escape Ukraine after he was being suspected of embezzlement. Go figure. (laughs) Reportedly, he bought Cypriot citizenship. In other words, became a citizen of Cyprus, sometime between 2017 and 19. In 2002, 2002, Zlochevsky co-founded Burisma, which changed owners in 2011 to an offshore Cypriot investment fund. According to The Guardian, from 2010 to 2012, Zlochevsky was Ukraine's ecology and natural resources minister He was also Deputy Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council from April 2012 through February 2014. So, when he was working as the Environment Minister, some accused Lochevsky of handing out gas licenses to his cronies. Hmm. Burisma Holdings, natural gas company. In 2016, Zlochevsky was under suspicion of money laundering and public corruption related to Burisma. So remember that prosecutor, Victor Shokin, we talk about him every time the Biden get-together when he blackmailed the former president of Ukraine to fire that prosecutor that was investing Hunter Biden and Hunter's company, Burisma, or the U.S., Joe Biden, wasn't going to give them that $1 billion loan guarantee. You remember all that stuff? Well, Shokin was investigating Zlochevsky before his termination, and he was terminated because of Joe Biden. Joe bragged about the firing in 2018. We played that audio for you here over and over again. In 2016, Hunter and Devin Archer, his associate, they both held seats on Burisma's board where Hunter was earning what we told you a few moments ago, $83,000 a month as a board member who did nothing but pick his nose. The company appointed Hunter to the board in 2014. Senator Chuck Grassley, the oldest senator, he's from Iowa, in a 2020 Senate report, he recounted the relationship between the Bidens, Burisma, and Zlochevsky. Here's what he said. In late 2013 and into 2014, mass protests erupted in Kyiv, Ukraine, demanding integration into Western economies and an end to systemic corruption that had plagued the country for decades. 
At least 82 people were killed during those protests. And that all culminated on February 21st when Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych abdicated by fleeing the country. And less than two months later, over the span of only four weeks, 28 days, significant events involved the Bidens unfolded. On April 16, 2014, Vice President Biden met with his son's business partner, Devin Archer, at the White House. No, wait a minute. Joe Biden told us all over and over and over again, I never met with any of Hunter Biden's partners, never had a conversation even with Hunter about his business dealings. <laughs> White House records show that on April 16th of 2014, Biden met with Devin Archer at the White House. Five days later, Biden was still vice president. He visited Ukraine. He soon after was described in the press as the public face of the administration's handling of Ukraine. The day after his visit, April 22nd, when he got back, Archer joined the board of Burisma. Six days later, April 28th, British officials seized 23 million bucks from the London bank accounts of Burisma's owner, Mikola Zlochevsky. 14 days later, on May 12th, Hunter joined the board. And over the course of the next several years, Hunter and Devin were paid millions from a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch for their participation on the board. Now, I know a little bit about sitting on a board of a company. And the boards that I've been involved in, you don't get big paychecks. 83 grand a month to do nothing. But even what was happening is Devin and Hunter hardly ever went to Ukraine. They did the board meetings remotely. You know, that Zoom thing. (laughs) The 2014 protest in Kiev came to be known as a revolution of dignity, a revolution against corruption in Ukraine. So following that revolution, Ukrainian political figures were desperate for support from guess who? The United States. Zlochevsky would make sure relevant Ukrainian officials were well aware of Hunter's appointment to Burisma's board as leverage in the United States. Hunter's position on the board created an immediate potential conflict of interest that would prove to be problematic for both U.S. and Ukrainian officials and would affect the implementation of Ukraine policy. So, on Monday, two days ago, Grassley announced a foreign national allegedly paid our president and his son $5 million each, and by the way, kept 17 audio recordings of those conversations of them as an insurance policy. And Grassley said the bombshell allegation originated from an FBI informant document, FD-1023. Well, just so happens, last week, Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Anna Paulina Luna of Florida, and Nancy Mace of South Carolina said the foreign national identified in that FD-1023 form is, go figure, Zlochevsky. What have I told you here at TNN, TNN Live for four years? Anytime a politician gets in your face or gets loud or demonstrative talking about anything at all, 
don't look at or listen to what they're railing about. The important stuff is behind their backs. That's the stuff that's going on, and they want to divert your attention away from what's going on quietly and in secret. And they want you to only concentrate on the things they're pointing you to. That's that's just the way it works in Washington, D.C. I'm not joking, and I don't think it's going to change. So let me give you the solution to this whole Biden family syndicate corruption thing. It can be stopped quickly. Joe Biden makes fun of it. Anybody ask him a question, he laughs it off. He gets in trouble every time he tries to explain things. So obviously his holders have told him, just dismiss it. Don't get in any conversations about it. Because what he does is he just screws himself into the the ground every time he comes up with an explanation for anything. But let me tell you how Joe Biden can make this all go away. And he could have done it before putting Donald Trump in jail, which is his goal, obviously. Denigrate Trump. That doesn't play well across the nation, as they are finding out every day. And that's a story, a different one from this. But how could Joe do it? How could he put all this to the side? It's very simple. He claims he didn't break the law. He didn't do anything unethical, let alone criminal. So we have all of those suspicious bank reports that your bank, Mr. Biden, your banks, plural, turned into the Treasury when there were a bunch of foreign wire transfers coming into various of Biden family syndicates accounts, large amounts of money. We know about those. And then we have the allegations. And by the way, we have 17 audio sound bites that we haven't heard yet. The FBI has been covering your booty to try to keep you from getting in hot water, which you're getting in every day. The water's getting deeper. So why don't you just do this? Just come clean. The money came to Biden family syndicate members and syndicate accounts. Now, there's no such thing. I'm certain there's no Biden family syndicate checking account anywhere. That's what I call all the stuff that goes with this, the Biden family syndicate. But we do know money was wired. Big amounts of money were wired to various uh, shell companies. Who owns those shell companies? And they moved the money from one shell company to another one reportedly, and again, this is coming from facts that have been dug out by our oversight committee in the House of Representatives, over 20 different shell companies. Now, what's a shell company? It's basically a corporation that has no purpose whatsoever other than to give it a name, register it in a particular state as a legitimate corporation, and then get a tax ID number from the U.S. Treasury so you've got a way to track it and they've got a way to follow money and to show that it's there. You can't open a bank account for a company unless you do all that. They won't do it. So obviously, the Biden Family Syndicate member or members opened at least 20 shell corporations. So Mr. Biden, it would be real simple. 
why don't you bring all of the documenting paperwork of those 20 corporations? It's very simple. You can incorporate in all 50 states with a document that's three to five pages long. That's all. Bring in the founding documents, all 20 of those shell companies. But then here's the big way to prove you're honest and that you would never do anything against the law. Give us unfettered access to your personal and business bank accounts for the last eight years. And then you can explain this, that $20 million income that you reported on your tax return as a one payment issue, no details given, Tell us where that came from. Show us the check or the wire transfer that moved that into your account. That number's $30 million. If you didn't do anything wrong, Mr. President, you have no reason to hide any of that. Think about that during this break. And when we come back after this break, You're going to hear Tucker Carlson, episode three of Tucker on Twitter. By the way, have you wondered how many people have listened to Tucker on Twitter? I'll give you the numbers on the first two shows. 73 million. Tucker on Twitter, episode one. 68 million so far on Tucker at Twitter, episode two. Tucker Carlson, up next. At TNN Live. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to Direct TV. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black, flavored lattes and iced coffee. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind 
a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are? TNN, the Truth News Network. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. The Biden administration arrested Donald Trump this afternoon. They had him arraigned and fingerprinted in a Miami courthouse like the accused felon he now technically is. These were the first steps in a process that is designed to put Donald Trump behind bars for the rest of his life. Cable News carried every moment of it live. It's unprecedented, they told us, with what looked like shock. But they weren't shocked. They knew this was coming. Everyone who's paid attention knew it was. What just happened was always going to happen. It's been inevitable since February 16, 2016. That's the day Donald Trump made a blood enemy of the largest and most powerful organization in human history, which would be the federal government. Despite what you may remember, it wasn't anything that Trump had said about immigration or trade with China or rapists from Mexico. Those are the stories that dominated the headlines that year. Trump's a racist, they screamed, stop him. But inside Washington, that was just noise. None of it really raided. Identity politics doesn't mean much to permanent Washington. What matters then and now is foreign policy, the invasions and occupations and proxy wars, the decisions that determine which global populations will thrive and which will die, the policies that come with trillion dollar price tags, the ones that over time have made the counties around DC the richest suburbs in the world. In Washington, that's what actually matters. And it's obvious when you look carefully. When there's a debate about anything else, for example, the debt ceiling, both sides take their assigned positions and they start yelling. But when Congress decides to start a war, no matter how foolish or counterproductive or obviously disconnected from America's core interests that war may be, when that happens, the leaders of both parties automatically jump behind it like circus clowns. And then they stay there, sometimes for decades, they defend that war relentlessly against all evidence until somebody finally rings the all clear bell and they can begin to admit that actually, maybe it wasn't such a great idea. We meant well, but it just didn't work out. The good news is we've learned a lot of important lessons. In the end, they usually do say something like that, but only after emotions have cooled and the damning details have begun to fade from collective memory. It's an apology that's not actually an apology, much less repentance, and it's years too late to matter in any case. But until then, that's all you're getting. Until then, no dissent is allowed. That's the first rule of Washington. But somehow, Trump didn't bother to follow it. He is from out of town, so maybe he didn't know it was a rule, or maybe he just didn't care. Either way, seven and a half years later, we can point to the precise moment that permanent Washington decided to send Donald Trump to prison. Here it is. It's from the Republican candidates debate in Greenville, South Carolina. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. They lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none. And they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass okay. destruction. Okay. All right. Go. We should never have been in Iraq, Trump said. We destabilized the Middle East. Now, by the time Trump said that, a lot of Republican primary voters were starting to reach the same conclusion. How could they not? But it was the next line that doomed Trump to today's arrest. They lied, he said. There were no weapons of mass destruction, and they knew there were none. 
Now, when he said that, a few in the crowd booed. Most just sat there in silence, stunned. Can he say that? Well, he said it anyway. And by saying that, he sealed his fate. That was the one thing you were not allowed to say because it implicated too many people on both sides, which on this topic is really just one side. Hillary Clinton was guilty of it, but so was Paul Ryan. All of them were guilty. They all knew they all lied. And to a person, they hated Donald Trump for exposing them. After that, it was pretty clear that even if he did get elected president, Trump was going to have a very hard time controlling the federal government he was supposed to be in charge of. Trump was the single most important mission in their lives. Everything depended on it. Many of them said so publicly. But others didn't. In fact, the stealthier ones took another path. They ran toward Trump, not away from him. They sucked up to him. They ingratiated themselves to the man they intuitively understood was susceptible to flattery, which Trump is. Subvert his new administration from the inside. There were a number of these, and you could spot them immediately. They were flatterers. Invariably, the ones who flattered Trump the most hated him the most and disagreed the most strongly with his views. You saw them in the hallways of the White House and at press conferences. They were there slobbering over their boss with elaborate self-abasement as if they were addressing a monarch or a god. It was a scene from the Ottoman court. It was filthy and decadent, and it was false. Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Lindsey Graham in the Congress, they all called Trump a visionary genius up until the moment he lost power. And then they unsheathed their real agenda, as always the neocon war agenda, and they piled on with maximum force. Here's Mike Pompeo, for example, on Fox News this morning. President Trump had classified documents where he shouldn't have had them. And then when given the opportunity to return them, he chose not to do that for whatever reason. When somebody identifies that, you got to turn them in. And so that's just, that's inconsistent with protecting America's soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And if the allegations are true, some of these were pretty serious, important documents. And so that's wrong. May future historians hoping to unlock the mysteries of late Empire Washington study that clip because it will reveal everything. That very same Mike Pompeo, the one who's sneering at Donald Trump on TV this morning, that guy served Donald Trump as both CIA director and as Secretary of State. Those are the two most powerful jobs in the federal government. And as he worked in those jobs, Pompeo promised, in fact, he swore to support the president's agenda. Why? Because that's the way a democracy works. You vote for a candidate in the belief that his appointees will carry out the policies that you voted for. It's not about the president, it's about you, the voter. But Pompeo didn't do that. He didn't even try to do that. In fact, he undermined Trump's often stated commitment to peace and non-intervention abroad at every turn. His every waking hour was devoted to fomenting war in some faraway foreign country or other. Iran, Syria, Russia, North Korea, the list goes on. But rather than telling Trump that he disagreed with his ideas, as a man would, Pompeo toadied up to Trump, a man he despised, in the oiliest, most over-the-top way imaginable. Ask anyone who worked in that White House at the time. Who is the appointee most likely to tell Donald Trump on a daily basis that he was handsome, virile, sleek, and powerful? Mike Pompeo. That will be the consensus answer. Those of us who saw firsthand Pompeo's relentless kowtowing We'll never forget it. It was indelibly repulsive. No one with self-respect could do something like that. But Mike Pompeo did it effortlessly with relish and verve. Now, this same person is telling Fox News viewers that he fears for the safety of our military, 
are soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines in the approved phrase. Because Donald Trump took some classified documents home and didn't immediately return them to the National Archives? What a lie that is. Mike Pompeo knows that's a lie. He spent his entire life in Washington. Washington is a city where internal memos about Labor Day are classified because everything is classified. Your government has classified more than a billion federal documents, most of them boring and pointless and a danger to no one, and locked them away in secret where you can't see them because you may be an American citizen, but not really, and therefore you don't have the necessary clearances to know what's going on. And by the way, none of this is done in order to make America safer any more than COVID restrictions were designed to keep you healthy. No, it's a caste system. That's the point. And you're the untouchable in this hierarchy. Mike Pompeo knows that. Everybody who works in Washington knows that. How many secret documents do you think Dick Cheney took home with him while he was running the Iraq war? How many did his wife read? She never had a clearance. We'll never know the answer because there is no chance Dick Cheney will ever be investigated or his staffers will be told to wear wires in his presence. He'll never be indicted for this. Of course not. Dick Cheney is a neocon. Donald Trump is not. Dick Cheney supports war with Russia. Trump does not. That's the difference. The rest is just a distraction. The prosecution of Donald Trump is transparently political. He's literally Joe Biden's main political opponent. He's polling over 60% among Republican voters right now. So Joe Biden is doing what no president has ever dared to do. He's using law enforcement to lock up his chief rival. That's happening right now. Anyone who denies it's happening is lying to you. But actually, it's worse than that. Trump's prosecution isn't just political, it's ideological. Nobody with Trump's views is allowed to have power in this country. Criticize our wars and you're disqualified. If you keep it up, we'll send you to prison. That's the message Washington is sending. Not just the Democratic Party is sending, but both parties are sending. Like so many Republicans, for example, the supposedly conservative governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, spent yesterday totally ignoring the destruction of the American justice system. Instead, he signed a highly important bill called the Crown Act, which according to the celebratory tweet Abbott sent commemorating it, will quote, prohibit discrimination based on textures and hairstyles historically associated with race. In other words, in Texas, cornrows are now protected by law. Having unapproved views about Ukraine is not. That's fine with most elected Republicans. They find Trump tiresome and embarrassing. Their donors hate him. They will not be sad if he dies in jail. But what about voters? What are they learning from this spectacle? Well, mostly they're learning that they have no power at all because nobody cares about them. But they already knew that. Unlike so many of our elected leaders, they have been to America recently. They know what it looks like. Have you seen it? If you've got a few days this summer, find out. Take a road trip and see for yourself. Drive 500 miles in any direction and then come home. How are things looking? Well, they should look great. The federal government spent $6.5 trillion last year. That's more than any government has ever spent, ever. So at the very least, you would expect pristine public roads. Oh, no. That's not what you see when you drive around this country. There are potholes and Jersey barriers everywhere. Looks like Tegucigalpa before the Chinese decided to rebuild the infrastructure of Honduras. We don't have China buying our roads. So they're falling apart. You'd think the people you would pass on your road trip would look happy and prosperous. Again, this is a very rich country. But a lot of them don't. Quite a few appear to be strung out on drugs. You see them shuffling by shuttered storefronts in small towns. And you wonder, as you see all of this, where did all the money go? It's certainly not here. 
Well, it's in Washington. It's in Fairfax and Loudoun counties and in leafy, perfectly manicured Northwest DC. And of course, a huge chunk of it went to Ukraine, to Zelensky and his friends. Not because you voted for that. You didn't vote to give it to them. You never would. But because Joe Biden and his many allies, from Chuck Schumer to Mitch McConnell to Paul Ryan and every single news anchor on all of television, all of them believe that Ukraine, its borders, its future, its infrastructure are all more important than the town that you live in. They sincerely think that, and it's obvious. Everyone in power thinks that, except for Donald Trump. Whatever else you say about him, Trump is the one guy with an actual shot of becoming president who dissents from Washington's long-standing pointless war agenda. And for that, that one fact, they're trying to take Trump out before you can vote for him. And that should upset you more than anything that's happened in American politics in your lifetime. Even if you don't plan to vote for Donald Trump, even if you would die before voting for Donald Trump, which is your right and a lot of good people feel that way, even still, the destruction of our democracy, which is the right of voters to support any candidate they want, even candidates who don't want war with Russia, the destruction of that should keep you up at night. Yes, Donald Trump is a flawed man, but his sins are minor compared to those of his persecutors. In this life, we don't get to choose our martyrs. We can only choose our principles, and America's are at stake. So there you have it. Tucker on Twitter, episode three. I haven't looked. It came out yesterday, late yesterday, and I haven't looked to see what the numbers of uh, listeners are. But again, we told you 73 million, episode one, close to 60 million on episode two, and the numbers are still growing. By the way, those numbers dramatically eclipse the entire evening numbers. I'm talking about all the Fox News shows, all of them combined. Tucker's viewers of Tucker on Twitter dwarf the combined numbers of all of Fox News programs. I wonder if they're having second thoughts about what they did. And I know they were under the gun because they were in a lawsuit settlement putting it all together so they could get out of Dutch and that lawsuit that they were going to lose if it went to trial with Dominion voting systems. I can't imagine how much money Fox News has lost just with the departure of Tucker Carlson. We may never know. Obviously, they're not going to tell us what it is. They certainly aren't. Speaking of Fox News, after the arraignment yesterday, one of my least favorite human beings on the planet, Juan Williams, you know who he is, longtime contributor on Fox News. He's not the token black guy, although he's black. He's the token liberal guy in a lot of conversations on one-on-one shows, especially on Fox News. He was on with, Juan was on with Martha McCallum. And they were talking about Donald Trump's indictment and all of the details that surround it. And they got enough close to a fish fight. I thought Martha McCallum was going to take a punch at Juan Williams. And here's what Juan said. Joe Biden's team made those documents known to the government. The government didn't go to Biden. And in the case of Hillary Clinton, this is Juan Williams talking now. And in the case of Hillary Clinton, there was no effort to obstruct or lie about her activities. I mean, this is a clear difference with this case. <laughs> Martha jumped right in. The servers 
Hillary's servers were smashed and the emails were destroyed, Juan. The question, here's the problem. They were destroyed under the rules of law, Martha. Under the rules of law, Juan said. That's not true, McCallum interjected. The person who's being investigated has the right to look at her emails or his emails and decide which ones are relevant for the government to scrutinize, Juan said. And now all of a sudden Trump brings this up because again it's smoke and mirrors and say, oh, it's unfair. McCallum said the public had only heard one side of the case after special counsel Jack Smith released that indictment. Martha said some of the allegations in the indictment, which include 31 alleged violations of the Espionage Act, appear very serious. Then she pointed to the delayed investigation in the Hunter Biden's laptop and his alleged tax violations. You may have confidence that those cases were investigated clearly. A lot of Americans don't have that confidence. My goodness, so how could it take five years to investigate Hunter Biden's taxes and his laptop? Can you explain that to me? What is taking five years, Juan, if it isn't back, Bernard? We can make a case and feel confident in making this case that it wouldn't be viewed as political and that a jury would convict this really lost child of a crime here, that it wouldn't be seen as if we were just going after him just because he's the president's son, Juan said. I mean, don't make him sound like the victim, Martha said. Think about it. Who's the prosecutor in the Delaware case? A Trump-appointed prosecutor. Who was the prosecutor when we were looking into all of this stuff? Again, Bill Barr. Listen, if there's nothing there, the case should be closed, McCallum said. It's still open. That's the question. Why is it still open if there's nothing there? And I think many people believe it's still open because it's the president's son, active president's son. Now you've got an active political campaign going on, a former president. Somehow we're going to be super expeditious and everything's going to wrap up. We're going to do a speedy trial on this one. All I'm saying is that these things raise a lot of questions in the minds of Americans, Juan. And I think we all need to have our eyes open about what's going on. I'm all for it, Juan said, if you have proof. McCallum then pointed to an FBI record alleging that Ukrainian oligarch Mikola Zlubchesky, owner of Ukraine energy company Burisma, offered Biden and Hunter $5 million in bribes during Biden's vice presidency. Juan Williams continued to call for proof that Hunter committed any crime for any alleged double standard. Nepotism is not a crime, he said. No, we're talking about a bribery that may have taken place between an executive in Ukraine in order to have an outcome in U.S. policy. That's what we're talking about, McCallum said. Nobody has ever offered any proof, Juan said, talking over Martha. So we've got this 900-pound gorilla in the room. I guess now we can call it um, the Ukrainian oligarch. (laughs) But it's there. And they won't wade into it and get it resolved. The laptop, they've had it since 2019. The FBI's had it since 2019. Four years and they haven't even investigated it. No evidence that they've even picked it up and tried to find out if it's real 
or not, although they finally admitted it was not Russia disinformation as those 51 so-called former intelligence leaders signed a letter saying it factually was Russian disinformation, and it wasn't. Just makes you wonder, who's obligated to Joe Biden? What does Joe Biden have over any of, or maybe all of those 51 intelligence agents? Know this, nothing in D.C., especially on the Democrat side of the aisle, nothing happens if it's not purposeful, if it doesn't get pointed and instigated for specific political and personal reasons. And when you have a question of what's going on, what's there... What do we say here? Follow the money. Follow the money. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people. TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Do you mind? I was in a good place. Then the world changed. Daily uncertainties became huge struggles. I've missed so much, especially the grandkids. A lot happened to all of us. It's okay to not feel fine. Small things each day go a long way. Make time for you. Take Take care. care. Me. Create a healthier relationship with your mind. Search Dear Mind for more. Authorised by the Queensland Government. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a flying date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey. You can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant restaurant around married to the truth divorced from the lies fighting for the future tnn the truth news network truthnewsnet.org and again dan newman got a big warning for each and every one of you next monday monday morning first hour of our show nine o'clock central dr judy mikovitz will be here live Dr. Judy Mikovich, you remember that name? She was the she was the sidekick, I guess, for Anthony Fauci back in the 90s when the AIDS HIV investigations were underway. They were desperately and diligently looking for a vaccine that Fauci, if you have forgotten, let me refresh your mind, he went crazy. We found one, we found one. I forget the name of it but they started using it on test cases 
people that had AIDS and were really dying from AIDS. And they just got an early death thanks to Dr. Fauci's HIV AIDS vaccination. It was immediately pulled off the market and they got quiet launching into looking into other infectious diseases. Well, Dr. Mikovits, she was deep in the H1N1. You remember that? That was one of the first SARS-CoV, SARS-CoV, not COVID-2, but SARS. There have been multiple infections of flus that came from various types of SARS. She wrote a paper, and it was going to involve some research that was done, some findings that appeared And there were going to be patents that came out of that particular paper. And she did that on her own. She was working for Fauci. He knew what she was doing the whole time. And he walked into her office one day. She'll tell this story next Monday. I'm just going to give you a little kind of blip of what you can expect. And he demanded that she turned all that over to him. And she refused to do it. There is an understanding if you work for the National Institutes of Health, the CDC, you're doing research. If you come up with medicine, treatment, those kind of things yourself, even though I don't agree it should be because all of that is taking place on taxpayer dollars, whoever does the deal and comes up with it gets to apply for and own the patent for these new things. And therefore, this can turn into multi-million dollar opportunities for the patent holder. Fauci wanted that patent. When she continued to refuse to give it to him, in the middle of the night, black ops people stormed her home, broke down the front door, ransacked her house, scared her husband to death, threw her in the back of one of those blacked-out vehicles. It looked like it was the FBI, but none of the agents nor the vehicles had any kind of markings whatsoever. She, to this day does not know who that was. They took her to an unknown location, a jail, threw her in the jail, and she was there for, I think, two weeks, 10 days to two weeks. And she finally got out after they went back to his house and found those papers. Blamed her for stealing intelligence from the National Institutes of Health. And they threatened her. You leave this alone. You never go public. For five years, you've got a gag order. You can't even talk about any of this to anybody. So, the first place she went when the gag order expired was back in March, excuse me, May of 2021, was right here to TNN Live. She's coming back this Monday. Now, who is she besides what I've told you? i tell you what we'll do. I'm going to think about this. Here's what I'm going to do. Sunday, Sunday, we don't normally do a show. We normally don't publish a story on Sunday. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. This coming Sunday, I'm going to play here at TNN Live at our normal airtime, 9 o'clock Central. I'm going to play that May of 2021 interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits and let you hear for yourself exactly what she predicted would happen under Tony Fauci's watch as our pandemic developed. Everything about masks, social distancing, lockdowns, kids, 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 vaccines. 
She predicted it all months before it ever happened because she knew what Anthony Fauci was all about. Now, that's a little long-winded explanation, but I want to make sure you do not miss this show next Monday. Again, at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, 9 o'clock Central, you can come to the normal place where you listen to this show, where you are right now, and it will begin at exactly 9. You can record it yourself. You can wait till it's over and then go download it as a podcast, whatever your podcast site is where you get our shows Spotify, Apple, um, who else has it? Stitcher, TuneIn, Google, Facebook, Twitter. They all have it, and you can listen to this later. I don't want you to miss any of it. And this is one of those things you're going to want to share with your friends. Tell everybody about TNN Live and about Dr. Mike if it's coming on next Monday morning. So last night, after the... I guess the the arrest. It it, it, it it was really an arrest because he'd never been arrested yet. He turned himself in. So formally it was an arrest. But they didn't throw him up against the wall and make him put his hands behind his back and cuff him or anything like that. He just he and his lawyers just walked into the court courtroom. But after all that was going on, obviously networks wanted to carry all this and CNN, obviously the number one Trump hating media outlet on earth. They were there, and their star anchor, Jake Tapper, was there, and he lost his cool. He demanded that CNN producers pull President Donald Trump off the screen after he was seen smiling. He was smiling, was Trump, following his arrest at the hands of the Biden administration. Trump made a stop at a Cuban restaurant, Versailles, in Miami after he left the courthouse where he was seen praying with religious leaders before he bought food for everybody inside the cafe. Video footage shows Trump smiling and praying alongside supporters and that set Tapper off. Quote, the folks in the control room, I don't see any, I don't need to see any more of that, Tapper said, cutting off legal analyst Ellie Honig. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen that already. Let's go over again the 37 charges Donald Trump is facing. So he wasn't the only one. MSNBC's Nicole Wallace, she went crazy herself responding to an MSNBC reporter that we don't need to see anymore. We know where he is. I just love to see these mainstream media folks that they claim to have the only enlightenment. They're endowed with the only version of anything that matters. Their version is the only one. Everything else is incidental, and it's not true. So what about this special counsel that's out there? What do you think about him? We haven't heard too much about him. Yesterday, Stuart Varney and Brian Kilmeade, Fox News, they came out talking a little bit about this special prosecutor. Let's listen in. Trump says if he wins the election in 24, he will appoint a special prosecutor to go after Biden. You think that's a good idea to be looking backwards? It's angry. 
Yeah. Uh, he's angry because he did not go after Hillary Clinton when he got the job in 2016. Remember that. Yep. Even though Hillary Clinton weaponized this Russia investigation, now we find out she weaponized it in August. What up to because she wanted to overwhelm her email scandal. And then once he got the job, she didn't stop. And they amped it up, and Comey and company amped it up. And for the next three and a half years, he had two and a half years, they had to deal with a Russia investigation and the thought of being illegitimate. So he's angry. Do I think when they get to that point, do I think that he's going to actually execute it? No. He's got to get the nomination. He's got to win the general. And he's got to beat two indictments. So there's a long road to get there. But I understand the mindset. But he seems on track to get the nomination. Let's see. I mean, this is what it is. So in the perfect world, you look at what he did with the documents and say, I am going to judge who I vote for by the way he handled these, uh, these sensitive documents. That's called the way we used to do it. And, of course, grab the documents back and put them, in the, uh, put them in the archives where they belong. But now the way we do do it is we go after you and we try to put you in jail. And now we have a situation where we got another investigation going on with Joe Biden, and nobody knows what's going on. We know they had stuff all over five separate locations, including in his garage on the floor. And you're saying, well, we don't know how that's going. But this guy, 37 yeah. counts. Yeah. I'm not saying that Trump is innocent. I'm just saying that please even pretend yes. to be somewhat equal. Pretend. <laughs> just, yeah. Pretend, please. Just. All right, I've got to change the subject here. My head's exploding. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken blames Trump for the China spy base in Cuba. Watch this. It was our assessment that despite uh, awareness of the, the basing efforts and, and some attempts to address the challenge in the past administration, uh, we weren't making enough progress on this issue and we needed a more direct approach. We've been executing on that approach quietly, carefully, but in our judgment with results uh, ever since. I can't get into every step that we've taken, uh, but the strategy begins with diplomacy. Uh, we've engaged governments that are considering uh, hosting PRC bases at high levels. It's something that we're very carefully monitoring. Brian, it seems like he's blaming Trump. And it's always Trump's fault, isn't it? You know, President Obama did the same thing. Yeah. And, and Secretary of Defense Gates, who stayed from the Bush to the Obama administration, would say, hey, I'm still here. Every meeting they went to, they're like, yeah, I inherited this. This was my problem. He said, excuse me, I'm the same guy. I, would, I was with that administration. It's not all you didn't inherit all this. Barack Obama didn't stop looking back for two and a half, three years. It's amazing to me. He's on speaking terms with Bush 43, but that's the kind of class act he is. So they, this is what Admiral Kirby did. Admiral Kirby actually said the Wall Street Journal story about a spy base in Cuba financed by China, billions into Cuba, by the way, did not true. Then he comes back and says, well, it is true, but it was from 2019. Yeah. So I lied, but it was because they had it in 2019. Keep in mind, this same surveillance tools were used by the Cuban communist government to crack down on the uprising among Cuban people who just wanted some semblance of freedom after 60 years of oppression. It this just, administration it, did nothing. It never but the stopped. billions for China hurt Cuban right. people. And hurt their and, and allow them to put a spy base in their country. Again, that's what China does. They come in with money yep. and they extort you when you can't pay it back. It never stops. Never stops. Brian Kilmeade, great stuff. Thanks very much indeed, sir. Speaking of Anthony Blinken there, you do realize that that intelligence letter that was sent out making sure everybody knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. You know who put that letter together? 
Antony Blinken, he was an activist in the Biden campaign at the time. He, he worked for Joe Biden. And by the way, he worked in that Penn Center where 1,850 boxes of Biden classified documents were kept. That was Antony Blinken, and it was in his office. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And so it, it just came out a few minutes ago. Republican lawmakers, they are screaming. They are hollering. They are demanding transparency from President Biden about his 2017 tax returns in which his entity, Celtic Capri Corporation, listed nearly $10 million of income without specifying revenue. Didn't put anything on there other than $10 million, raising concerns about who paid and for what in the wake of Joe Biden's link to a $5 million Ukrainian bribery scheme. Before the 2020 election, USA Today published a fact-check article. It tried to support the claims that the Bidens earned $15.6 million from speaking fees and book deals from 2017 to 2019 and that more than $10 million of that total income were profits from Biden's memoir, Promise Me Dad, and $3 million in profits from Jill Biden's book. If you believe they got $10 million and $3 million in profit from their book deals, raise your hand. I'm looking. I don't see a single hand going up. Mine's not up for sure. But a closer look at Joe Biden's 2017 tax return raises some eyebrows. Follow the source link provided to that $10 million number, though, and you'll end up at Joe Biden's campaign website with financial disclosure links to only their individual tax returns. No S-corporation tax returns. Hmm. In other words, that company that got the $10 million Celtic Capri Corporation. What kind of corporation was it? Was it a subchapter S? We don't know. And nobody will give us any facts. The so-called smokescreen raised alarm for Republican lawmakers, obviously, causing them to demand more transparency about the nearly $10 million sum from the pass-through entity. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, a Republican, co-authored the 2020 Senate report on the Bidens. He said Biden should openly disclose the source of the revenue. Biden should disclose and every member of the press ought to hound him until he does, Ron Johnson said. Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina She said Biden should produce unredacted bank records to provide transparency. And listen, folks, if the president, this president, or any president that was charged with something so serious, you would want to clear the air. And what better to clear the air than if you're screaming and hollering, there's no there there, we didn't do anything wrong. It has to do with money going into bank accounts. Give us copies of the bank records. And it'll go away if what you're saying is true. Now, I was born at night, but not last night. Does anybody think 
that that is an option Joe Biden is seriously considering doing, giving the American people factual information about his alleged financial wrongdoing? No, he's not going to do it. And you know why? There's only one reason why he won't do it. Because he did the wrong. The only reason you hide something from other people, if it is absolutely bad, and you don't want other people to see the details. Because there's another little thing hanging in here that nobody wants to talk about. Do you think? Do you think former Vice President Biden, and maybe in just a little bit, in the Biden presidency, there may be some financial wrongdoing where there was money that ended up coming to the Biden gang, even if it's through shell corporations, and they didn't report the income? Oh, my God. We learn that Hunter's, he's been under a tax evasion investigation by the Delaware prosecution that's representing the IRS. That's been going on for several years. You don't think that big man, the big guy, Daddy Joe, you don't think he's in trouble with the IRS or should be in trouble with the IRS for evading paying taxes. You think? (laughs) There's more to come. You do your thing and you do it well. Now it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar bites. Protect your kids. Playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a... Pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. You can't, you can't say who this is playing this song. 
little different, isn't it? That's Steely Dan. Back in the 70s. They did some really good stuff. Different, different stuff. Well, what else is happening? You know, one thing we have been conditioned to believe it's it's okay, at least we want to allow it, is Democrats will deflect, they'll push away, they'll wait, they won't do anything, especially about controversial things. They'll delay, 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 because they know the longer they wait, the less probability that their wrongdoing is going to be exposed. We're seeing that happen again and again. Now, the latest, I've been wondering, two things that are out there, we know they still are, and they're bubbling right underneath the surface every day. Have you heard anything this week or last week about the invasion at our southern border? All the illegals coming in? No. Mainstream media is not reporting at all about it, but it's still happening Hundreds of thousands of illegals are still coming into our nation. Oh, that's old news, Dan. We're not going to talk about that. Well, let's go back a little further and get some older news. What about COVID world? What about all of the things that we were told by the so-called experts? You know, Mr. Science, Anthony Fauci, told us, quote, I am the science What about all the things Dr. Fauci told us to do and all the things he told us, don't you dare go there, and all of the suggestions and how wonderful the vaccines were going to be. Everything Anthony Fauci told us was factual has proven to be not factual. I won't necessarily say it was a lie, but much of it had to be because it just was not factual. So during the pandemic, we got a new director over at the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Walensky. And she got before the House Oversight Committee, and she got in the crosshairs of Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio. I want you to listen to Jim Jordan and Dr. Rochelle Walensky when it comes to getting straight answers to straight questions. Doctor, why did you and the Biden administration mislead the American people? Um, you'd have to say more. I'm, March, wouldn't claim March that 29, I did. 2021, vaccinated people do not carry the virus. Vaccinated people don't get sick. We got that information from clinical trials, but also real world data. Seems to me there are a number of statements you make in there that aren't accurate. Um, do vaccinated people carry the virus? In March of 2021, um, the vast majority of data demonstrated that the vast majority of people were not getting infected if they were vaccinated. That's not what you said. You didn't say the vast majority of people. You said vaccinated people do not carry the virus. Was that accurate? Uh, It was generally accurate. Generally accurate. Why not just be accurate? Why not just tell the American people the truth? Why Why not you say to the American people just what you said to me? We're big boys and girls. We pay your salary. The government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people. Why not just tell us the truth? Uh, I was speaking. Was six weeks later when you said if you were to get infected during post-vaccination, you can't give it to anyone else. Was that accurate? Uh, what was the date of that? May 19, 2021. Um, at the time, we had the Wuhan strain and then the Alpha strain. That was the Alpha strain that was circulating. That was generally true. Yeah. Generally true again? Why not again? Why not tell the American people this is generally true? Um, I couldn't tell you the exact data on the vaccine effectiveness of symptomatic disease and severe disease at the time. What I can tell you is that we generally saw that if you were 
to get infected after you had been vaccinated, that you were not carrying the virus by transmitting it to somebody else. You could not transmit it to others. But we know that's not accurate. It was at the time. Now, what really? happened? Yes, in really? May of 2021, it, what, that, was hap- that was true really? for the Alpha variant. What, what happened? Let me ask you about the, all the general statements that were made to the American people, not general statements, the way you guys said it. You said, uh, was it our tax dollars? Were our tax dollars used in the lab in, in China? Uh, that is something that you would have to speak to NIH about. Our tax dollars were used. Uh, it, it sure looks like it was gain-of-function research. It sure looks like it actually came from the lab, and we've had several agencies, federal agencies, say that's, in fact, where the virus originated. The Biden administration told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it. We know that's not accurate. The, Vi- the Biden administration told us the vaccinated couldn't transmit it. They told us masks worked, and they told us there was no such thing as natural immunity. That seems to me to be, what, seven different statements that turned out not to be true that we got from this administration. Again, why not just tell the American people the truth? Um, So I would dispute some of what you just said. In October 2021, CDC released a scientific brief highlighting all of the science that was out there on infection-induced immunity. And there, I I don't know the long list that you, I don't remember all the long list, but there are numerous areas where we have provided science um, and the science review to, to provide data to the American people as soon as we had it. I actually think what happened is you actually tried to be honest with the American people and the Biden administration shot you down. Do you remember when you said this in February? This is before you made these statements, which I think are not, uh, not being square with the American people. You said vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely reopening schools. Did you make that statement? Uh, something to that effect. I can't exactly say the quote, but yeah. Vaccinations of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely reopening schools. I think you made that statement on February 3rd. Um, do, you, do you stand by that statement? Um, at the time, yeah. I, that we, we had an, uh, a week later or 10 days later, we had an operational guidance that demonstrated layered mitigation strategies and that you could safely reopen. Were you, speaking as, were you speaking as Dr. Walensky or were you speaking as Dr. Walensky, head of the CDC? Um, I have said that while I've been in front of Congress and the media um, and press conferences, I, during my tenure as CDC director, I've been speaking as the CDC director. But that's not what the White House said, right? Uh, Jen Zaki said, Dr. Walensky spoke to this in her personal capacity. Do you remember that statement? I do. Uh, who's right? Uh, you Jen Zaki or you? Well, I will tell you that I was speaking in my, my um, looks role to me, as the CDC looks director. To me, looks to me like what happened is in February, you said, I'm going to be honest with the American people. I'm going to give it to them straight. Vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safely opening schools. And the Biden administration hung you out to dry. They said, nope, she ain't talking for us. She ain't talking as the head of the CDC. She's talking as Dr. Walensky. And then a month later, you said, well, you know what? I better not be totally honest with the American people. So I'm going to say vaccinated people do not carry the virus and they don't get sick. And everyone understands, like, wow, I know someone who's been vaccinated and they've gotten sick afterwards. I think what happened is you try to be honest and they said no. And then you said, well, I'm going to have to hedge a little bit. I'm going to have to give the American people misleading statements from the head of the CDC. You were speaking as head of the CDC in both situations, right? I have said I've been speaking as the head of the CDC. All the time? Yeah. Well, it would have been nice if you'd have just been honest and straightforward with the American people every single time throughout this, uh, throughout this virus. With that, I yield back. I have stood by my commitment to tell the American people what I know when I know it. Thank you. And who tells the head of the CDC what he or she is supposed to know? They're doctors. They're infectious disease doctors. They're not supposed to be bureaucrats. They're not supposed to be in their official capacity political pundits at all. 
And you just heard Jim Jordan just go through a gambit. You know what I just heard, what you just heard me say about Fauci earlier? The same thing holds true. This is the modus operandi of the CDC and our political medical experts. Say today what you think you need to say to the American people. And if it changes tomorrow, it's no big deal. Forget about the fact that they told us to do some things that turned out when millions of Americans did those things, they died because they did those things. And when they told Americans don't do some things, and the Americans listened and didn't do it, millions got sick and thousands died because they did what the experts told them to do. Remdesivir. You know anything about remdesivir? Well, it was supposed to be the panacea for COVID. It was going to treat some of the COVID stuff and take care of some of the uh, the effects of COVID, what it did on the body. Well, guess who owns a big chunk of the drug and the patent for the drug? Remdesivir. Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's a Moderna drug. Fauci touted it as the panacea going to help us get through COVID. And then we find out that thousands of Americans that were told in their hospitals, by the way, you know, the CDC recommended one medication, one medication only in their COVID-19 priorities for hospitals. In fact, not just priorities, what hospitals could treat COVID patients. You're diagnosed with covid There's only one drug we can give you, remdesivir. And thousands of people's kidneys failed. And we found out later, we got to whisper this, remdesivir was the cause. We can't talk the truth, you know, because we don't want to get in trouble for misguiding the American people. That's the way government flows. And you just heard Dr. Walensky when she's put to the task for all of these things she quoted that were facts, well, Representative Jordan, when I said those things, that's what the facts said they were, and facts change. No, no, no. Facts don't change. Facts never change. The political perspective of what to say is real and what to say is not real, that changes. Oh, 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 we know that. It changes from day to day. What weapon of fear are you going to use today, Dr. Walensky? That's exactly what was going on and still is going on in our CDC. You want to hear about another conundrum that's happening? This just blows my mind. You know who J.K. Rowling is? Ah, you know, she's a famous author. You know the chain the story that she did, Harry Potter, that's her creation. She is a billionaire. I guess we should say billionaires. But she, yesterday, she went postal about Johns Hopkins University. Now, we all know Johns Hopkins is one of the most prestigious medical centers on the earth. But she went crazy when she was told that Johns Hopkins labeled lesbians as, and I'm going to quote, and you're going to need to remember this because you're going to have to be careful when you have a conversation with somebody who knows lesbian. Lesbians are a non-man attracted to non-men. 
lesbian, and we're I, we got to quit using the word lesbian. Somebody that was a lesbian last week, when you speak to them or about them, you are now to say, oh, that's a non-man that's attracted to non-men. J.K. Rowling, of all uh, she's not obviously a, a political conservative. But she slammed Johns Hopkins for saying that. The glossary, if you look it up, states, look up the definition of lesbian. It states that lesbians should not just include women, but also non-binary people. So Rowling, who's English, she took to social media to publicly rip Johns Hopkins for the move by writing this, quote, man, no definition needed, non-man, formerly known as woman, of being definable only by reference to the male. <laughs> and she added, an absence, a vacuum where there's no manness. Oh my gosh. These names just continually drive Americans crazy. So her tweet comes after the charity Oxfam was told to apologize and delete a section of its Pride Month advertisement after it brought out a video portraying her as a villain with wild red eyes. Rowling's public exploration of Johns Hopkins is the second time this year she's been happy to offer her critique of the transgender movement across the pond from where she lives. She previously revealed she has been subjected to many death threats and has had her family home doxxed by leftist activists for daring to speak out. Daniel Ratcliffe, who's 33, he starred as Harry Potter. You all know that. He previously wrote, quote, while Joe is unquestionably responsible for the course my life has taken as someone who has been honored to work with and continues to contribute to the Trevor Project for the last decade, and just as human being, I feel compelled to say something at this moment. Transgender women or women. Oh my gosh, did you hear that, that short sentence of wisdom? Transgender women or women. Now, wait a minute. We have a little biological issue with that. But Harry Potter said it, so it's got to be true, right? You know, Daniel Radcliffe. Think about that statement before you digest it and put it in your repertoire of what you can say when you're talking about people's personal pronouns. He claims transgender women are women. Now, a transgender woman is not a woman. It's a man, a biological man that self-identifies as a woman. So Harry Potter said that's what they are. If they say they're an alligator, they're an alligator. Or if they say they're an eagle, they can fly. How far down this road are we going to let ourselves go? Oh my gosh, it is crazy. And it's all over personal pronouns. <laughs> Somebody decided they weren't going to grow up. And then at the White House yesterday, they take all of this to the limit when you've got this transgender woman. I, I must be honest. 
whoever this guy is, he did a good job in his transition. He's got, he looks good. But on the South Lawn of the White House, he decides to pull up his shirt and show the world, jumping up and down, showing his breast implants. <laughs> Probably Joe actually met with this person and talked to him. I don't know if it was before or after. Probably uh, if it was after and Joe didn't know about it, he got mad because he couldn't go see it <laughs> happen himself. Oh, my gosh. Another conundrum. Nearly 20,000 illegal investigation queries of campaign donors have happened by intelligence agencies. 20,000. In other words, they're looking for information about particular campaign donors. Now, why would the intelligence agencies, places like the Department of Justice, uh, the CIA, others, DNI, they're looking for campaign donors' information. So these agencies have used an expansive foreign surveillance tool. It's really elaborate. I've heard about it. It's got a name, but I can't remember the name now. They're using it to spy on 19,000 campaign donors, among whom only eight had suspected foreign ties that qualified for use of the authority. And that, of course, is prompting condemnation from Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin. I had to do this story because Dick Durbin is the subject of the story. He is a hard-left Democrat from Illinois. Limited authority to gather foreign intelligence information is granted by Section 702 of the FISA, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, a post-9-11 surveillance tool that gives U.S. intelligence the power to target, one, non-U.S. persons, two, who are reasonably believed to be outside of the United States, and three, to acquire foreign intelligence information. Now, that sounds benign. That sounds innocent, don't you think? Well, this power can grant an expanding circle of possible searches. It gives that power to the FBI and other intelligence agencies who then can use the same power against American citizens who had any interaction with targeted foreigners. Report after report has revealed abuses of the program, most prominently by, guess who? The FBI. The most significant violations came in 2021. What happened in 2021? It was revealed that the FBI had used the foreign intelligence tool 3.3 million times against American citizens with no warrant and no court approval, 3.3 million times. After that report, the FBI vowed to make some changes. You know how they are when Christopher Ray, the FBI director, is in front of a committee, either in the Senate or the House, and he's asked questions about this. He's got a pat answer every time. I can't discuss an ongoing investigation. And every time he says that, the real answer is, yeah, we're doing that, but I can't discuss an ongoing investigation. An April 2023 report shows that the FBI had made 278,000 additional illegal queries of American citizens. 
That report shows that among those 278,000, 19,000 were made against congressional campaign donors. But analysis of those 19,000 queries found that only eight were approved. Eight of 19,000. That's all that were approved under the guidelines of Section 702. It showed that an intelligence agency conducted a batch query for over 19,000 donors to a congressional campaign. The analyst who ran the query advised that the campaign was a target of foreign influence. But NSD determined that only eight identifiers used in the query had sufficient ties to foreign influence activities to comply with the standard in the FISA law. And it's unclear which congressional campaign was targeted. Here's where I am on this. We're going to take our last break of the hour. But here's where I am on this. I think whoever becomes president, our next president, job number one or two, maybe as far down as number three, but no further than number three, is to disband the FBI, to disband the CIA, to disband the DNI, Department of National Intelligence. Tear them up at the roots and start from scratch and get people in the jobs, management top floor all the way down, that are totally committed to the rule of law. That basically, if you want to be a part of this agency, you're going to sign an oath that gives us the right, if you violate any of American citizens' rights, that you are told, and we're going to teach you, we're going to put you in a classroom, we're going to teach you what those specific rights that belong solely to American citizens, if you cross the line and violate those, you're going to jail for a long, long time. We've got to make that hard, difficult decision to do that because your freedoms and my freedoms are evaporating every day because the intelligence communities, they have found out they can go to the FISA court and lie on an application about an individual, and they're going to get the warrant to go investigate. Or they just said, heck, we don't need a warrant. We're just going to go do it, even legally as it is. We are doing it for the betterment of the United States of America. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? That's the FBI today. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. 
Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger? The Flame Fresh Taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the flame-fresh taste. all-time favorite groups that's the way of the world one of the greatest songs wow hey we all have our favorites in congress and besides my two senators well one of my two senators i'll call a favorite that would be john kennedy uh our other senator here not so much even though he's a republican and of course our representatives in the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District here in Louisiana, is my representative in the House. We're good friends. Besides, he comes on this show quite often. There are a lot of other people in Congress that just because of what we see and hear when they speak, maybe it's something they do or a piece of legislation, we really like them. And others, not so much. One of my favorites is Utah U.S. Senator Mike Lee. He is the epitome of a constitutional, I'm trying to think of the right word. He is totally sold out to the U.S. Constitution. And let me just say this. I would not be surprised if we get another Republican president real soon, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we do. If there's an opening on the Supreme Court, Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee, will be one of the candidates for that particular spot. He weighed in over the issues that are impacting our entire country because of all of this crud that we're talking about and you're thinking about even not on just this show, but everyday life, the FBI. Here's Mike Lee in the Senate yesterday. Over the past 12 and a half years... I've raised significant concerns in hearing after hearing after hearing about FISA and the FBI's shocking disregard for Americans' constitutional rights and civil liberties. I've been given basically the same answer by FBI directors and attorneys general and other officials during three presidential administrations involving both major political parties. The answer every time is a variation, more or less, of the following. Just trust us. Don't worry. We've got good people, law-abiding people running this, and we've got lots and lots of procedural safeguards in place to prevent this type of abuse that you're facing here. These aren't the droids you're looking for. That's what we're told. Here again today, just uh, the last 24 hours, we got a new policy. This one, this one's finally going to fix it, you tell us. 
This one's going to do it. Uh, meanwhile, what's happened? Well, in 2019, Inspector General Horowitz issued a shocking report confirming a lot of what I had feared over the years but had found it difficult to, to, to prove. Uh, a report rego- regarding Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI's secret surveillance of Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. And then a subsequent memorandum dealing with the FBI's failure to maintain these so-called Woods Files, which a Woods File is basically the evidentiary record underlying a FISA order request in violation of FBI policy. Year after year, in hearing after hearing, we hear of instances of noncompliance, including the disclosure just last month that the FBI illegally surveilled 19,000 donors to a congressional campaign. Americans participating in protests in the summer of 2020, Americans who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021, and even a sitting member of Congress. Hundreds of thousands of searches of Americans' private communications and information are conducted each and every year without a probable cause warrant. Frankly, uh, without any warrant if conducted under Section 702. Now, let me be very clear. That number should not just be going down. That number should be zero. Every quote-unquote non-compliant search involving U.S. persons violates an American citizen's constitutional rights. And yet every year, the FBI claims that we should just trust the FBI to fix the problems internally. Well, first they tell us there are no problems. Then they tell us we will fix them because we've got good people and we've got new policies at this time. This time it's going to be different. Only later we find out that the FBI conducted more and more illegal searches in violation of Americans' constitutional rights than the last time we addressed the issue. So it's hard not to conclude that the only thing the FBI wishes it could fix here is the possibility of getting caught. This is what I find so insufferable. This is what I find so incredibly insulting. Look, I I, want to echo Senator Blumenthal's point a minute ago, and I hope every American can can take note of this, this feature of this. This is unlike other court proceedings. We call it a court, and yet it doesn't have any of the trappings of an ordinary court. There is no adversarial process. We're told a moment ago by Mr. Olson that it's okay. It's okay because the FISA court has the ability to appoint an amicus anytime it feels necessary to do so. Well, why not in every case? And even if there is an amicus, what interest does the amicus have that's on par with the individuals affected? The bottom line is, You collect all this data, and then after you store all that data, some of it involving communications, the content of individual individual phone calls, emails, text messages, whatever it is, the content, not just the metadata, but the content. You can do a backdoor search on that without a warrant predicated on probable cause. That is itself an affront to the Constitution. That is itself something that is always going to lead to constitutional violations. And it must stop. We've got an opportunity this year to make necessary reforms, and we must do it. Well, we've got you here, Mr. Olson uh, and Mr. Abadi. Why should we ever trust the FBI and the DOJ when it comes to this issue, Uh, uh, whether under the current administration or under a future leadership? Why should we 
ever trust the FBI and the DOJ again to police themselves under, under FISA when they've shown us repeatedly for more than a decade that they cannot be trusted to do so. Senator, thank you for uh, the question. Obviously, Section 702 is an invaluable intelligence tool. That's beyond dispute. It's also one that's very powerful and it must be used responsibly. And I, I share the frustration that you express with the lack of compliance that we've seen in past years from the FBI. I'm not here to defend those compliance problems. What I can tell you is that those compliance problems predate some of the very significant changes that the FBI has put in place. I will not say that compliance problems will be zero next year. We are not saying, as I think you mentioned, that we say we're done. This is an ongoing process. We will continue to try to improve. We will work with you and your staff and, and other members of Congress to make sure that we're implementing procedures and policies, training, and other measures to continue to drive down these errors and, and compliance problems. But in the end, um, the tool itself is so incredibly important to our national security that I believe that its essential effectiveness must be preserved. Mr. Robotic. Senator, thank you. Uh, I share your concerns as well, and I take this seriously. And with regard to the FISA 702, since I've been in this role and under the leadership of Director Ray, we've made significant changes, ones that have never been made before, and there has been a lot of progress, but we're not uh, going to rest on our laurels. We're going to keep driving ahead, um, continue to implement reforms as required, taking uh, guidance and counsel from the committee uh, and other members. With regard to Crossfire Hurricane, uh, what happened there was wholly unacceptable. Uh, we agree with the findings set forth by Inspector General Horowitz and Special Counsel Durham. We've acknowledged that in the past, and going that's 2017 and earlier that conduct occurred, not under Director Ray's leadership or when I was in this position. We have an entirely new leadership team. We've in, implemented very strong corrective actions, the uh, poor decision-making, the grave errors of judgment, uh, the misconduct, the lack of rigor investigatively that occurred there, totally unacceptable. We reject it. Uh, we hold people accountable for that now. And everything that we've done on the work, on the mission since that time, We've worked to avoid those mistakes and apply the lessons learned of the past. And anyone we find who goes against that, they are not going to work in the FBI and they will be held accountable for that period. Great to know Congress has got to fix this problem and stop trusting the surveillance state to fix it. It can't. It won't. We know that because it hasn't. Does anybody but me get the impression by listening to those very smart concerns expressed by uh, Senator Mike Lee to these two FBI director or assistant directors that are there to answer for these problems that are all over the place with the FBI. Does anybody but me sense that they'll say anything to just get out of a hearing? You know, kind of like, let's put a Band-Aid on it. And the Mike Lee, you heard him gripe about, all we ever hear from the FBI is just trust us. Exactly what those two guys said. Oh, we haven't got it fixed yet, but we're all over it. We've changed a bunch so far under Director Chris Ray, but we're going to keep on going. We're doing a good job, but we're going to keep on going, and when we need to change, we're going to change. Yeah, Chris Ray's FBI. That's the one. In fact, Christopher Ray himself, the FBI director, subpoenaed, received 
about that 1023 document of that whistleblower of the FBI, and he just thumbed his nose at the power and the oversight of the United States Congress. He didn't care. He ignored subpoenas. They threatened to haul him in, and at the last minute, so he wouldn't face contempt charges, last minute he said, hey, look, let's come up with a a way to make this work. We won't give you the document, but we'll let you look at it in a skiff. That's a secure room in the basement of the Capitol. So they were just going to let the chairman of that committee and the ranking member were the only ones that could go see the document. That wasn't going to be good enough. And so they finally let everybody on the committee to go see it. And then we found out there's a bunch of crap in it and there's a bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff that's redacted, even though the document is not classified. The FBI had no authority to redact anything if it wasn't classified. We, the people, have the right to see that in the oversight situation, which is the sole power of the U.S. House of Representatives. And then we find out yesterday that Director Ray approved the redaction of that 17 bundle of audio that was included in that document about that oligarch giving $5 million to Hunter and another $5 million to Joe Biden. They covered that up. Why the heck would anybody trust this FBI? And I'll say it once again. We... I am demanding that our government, what we need to do is tear down the FBI, the CIA, the DNS, any of the other intelligence agencies and start over from scratch and start at the point of the rule of law and build every part of our intelligence community with that being the cornerstones and build in processes where people can hold each other accountable within these agencies. But ultimately, if you break the law, if you step over the law, it doesn't matter what agency you work for. And it doesn't matter. You're going to go to jail. We're going to see to it that you are held accountable. We all are held accountable to the rule of law because we swore an oath to do just that when we got the job. And therefore, we're going to make sure that everybody, all of us, do the right thing all the time. That's where we are, folks. That's the life that we're living I'm sorry, I had microphone difficulty there. I don't I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. But it was time for me to end my rant. <laughs> anyway, by the way, you heard Senator Lee use the term amicus, that we need amicus to be a part of every one of these FISA warrants that are given out or requested by uh, members of the intelligence community, like the CIA and like the FBI. 
and asking the FISA court, what is an amicus? An amicus is an individual or an organization, it could be, who is not a party to a legal case, but who is permitted to assist a court by offering information, expertise, or insight that has a bearing on the issues in any particular case. The decision on whether to consider an amicus brief lies within the discretion of the court, individual court. Wouldn't it be wonderful, be a great idea in my opinion, to just have that be part of the FISA warrants that are issued by the FISA court? What's wrong with that? Somebody looking over the people who are running these investigations that include spying, And by the way, it is illegal for any agency of our government, any agency in our intelligence community, to spy on Americans. The CIA is supposed to be the FBI overseas. In other words, the CIA takes care of the United States and the United States stuff that happens overseas. The FBI does it unilaterally. And somehow, (laughs) somehow, We've lost that. We have lost that. Our FBI has gone absolutely crazy and has just become, I don't know, rebels about doing the stuff that they're supposed to do, and they cannot be trusted any longer. They cannot be trusted any longer. I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but I don't trust them. And I don't think Americans should trust them. And I don't think the United States of America needs to trust them. We need to pull them back, rein them in, and make sure they comply with the stuff they're supposed to comply with. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to... I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. 